What is up, you guys? It's Angie and Amanda here. Um, we got a special guest today. Please welcome Willis Griffith. Yay. <laughs> um, so why don't you just, like, tell us a little bit about yourself and, like, your background, I guess. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And Thank it's awesome coming. to be back in Amherst. Um, so I grew up here. I was born in Amherst and moved away for a little while and then came back um, and went to four years of middle school at AMS and went to four years of high school here at Sauhegan and graduated in 2013. So I haven't been back too much since then, but came back a couple weeks ago to watch the soccer team play, coach a couple of those guys for club soccer, so see, see a lot of Amherst folks um, from time to time anyway, but it's awesome to be back because I don't really get the chance to do that. Um, and then other background that would be helpful um, after my time in Amherst, graduated and went to Northwestern um, and graduated from there where I played soccer and then mm -hmm. came back to New Hampshire and went to UNH for my master's degree in public policy. Um, and that kind of set up a lot of this stuff that we're going to talk about today, I'm sure, but kind of played soccer throughout the whole time in school as well. So what office are you currently running for? So right now I'm elected as a state representative mm -hmm. out of Manchester. So I ran all last year, kind of started my campaign in February and then was elected in November. Um, so it was, a, it was a really long campaign, but it was incredibly rewarding. And so since November, I've served in Concord at the State House um, as a state rep. I'm on the Ways and Means Committee up there, which is pretty jargony and can be boring, but that's anything to do with revenues and taxes and how the state raises money. So that takes a lot of time up there. Um, I was also elected as our chairman of the Young Democrats Caucus. So there's 32 members of us up there on the Democrat side, and then there's 10 um, young Republicans as well. Um, so I'm the chair of, of that caucus, so we have a bunch of cool things that we're working on just from helping transform the legislature and making it more accessible for young people to run and be involved in the issues, mm -hmm. but also for others just to come and advocate and be part of policies that are going on in New Hampshire. Yeah, we uh, get the emails, not gonna brag for young Democrats. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we've like heard a little bit about like that program. I definitely looked at the website. Yeah, yeah, we definitely want to start getting involved in campaigns and stuff. And like through this, we've had the opportunity to do a little bit of that stuff. But um, how did you like get into politics, I guess? So like, did you start like liking politics in high school or? I remember voting for the first time when I was at Sohegan, but I was always more interested in the political science and the international side of things. Um, and always wanted to go abroad and, and work on these types of things. Just interested in people and systems and how things work and decisions are made. But it wasn't until I actually came back to UNH that I really started getting involved in politics. Because um, even that public policy degree, we weren't talking about politics all the time. Um, mm -hmm. So we did a trip down to Washington, D.C. with our group there. Um, and we had 25 meetings in five days with everyone from nonprofits to think tanks to senators, um, all over the map, the State Department. And I kind of came back from there pretty pissed off, to be honest. <laughs> and I wasn't real happy. Um, and that was at the time Trump was elected, but it had less to do with partisan politics and more about uh, just the general feeling and the way people spoke about the issues. There wasn't a real connection to the people they were trying to serve. Um, and coming from New Hampshire, that's not the way it works here. It's very mm -hmm. retail politics. We know that in such a small state, you really have to know your neighbors and know what their issues are. 
because they can be different from house to house, but they're also very similar across the state at the same time. So knowing everyone and knowing what is going on in their lives is really important. And I felt like that was not the feeling I got down in D.C. And so when I came back, uh, one of my mentors from Amherst, actually, Rick Katzenberg, kind of gave me the kick in the butt to run and prompted me and helped me get into that. Um, and then Shannon Chanley was another one who yeah. helped bring me up to the state house and introduce me around and helped me get to know the Manchester people because that's where I was living at that time and still am. Um, so it kind of helped grow through Amherst, but kind of took on the state feel, especially coming back to New Hampshire for grad school. So you mentioned that you're part of the Young Democrats. What would you say are the advantages of being a young person in politics when it's like obviously um, an older age group dominated uh, field. I think the clear advantage is that we have kind of a a need to disrupt things as young people. I think that we're <laughs> viewed and we we embrace that kind of disruptor personality, and so we're coming in with fresh eyes and a fresh perspective to say, either one, we just don't like the way you're doing this, or two, we think we can do it better and help improve the process. Mm -hmm. And I think some of that whether it's naive energy or whether they're genuinely good new ideas, they're both positives because it challenges the system and forces it to improve. So we're definitely met with a lot of pushback as young people there. Mm -hmm. um, it could either be the sergeant at arms who protects the state house telling us, oh, wait, you can't come back here. This is only for the electeds yeah. um, and not letting us actually into the voting mm -hmm. room, which has happened several times to several of us. Mm -hmm. um, but there's other incidences where there's not not a real change or awareness of people's schedules. I'm not married or have children, but there are several people that do, and it's incredibly hard for them. And, and they're superheroes, the ones on both sides of the aisle that can pull that off. Yeah, so what would you say? Uh, you kind of spoke about this a little bit, but some uh, more disadvantages, would you say, about being young in politics? The big obvious one is that it's not a paid position in New Hampshire, or it is, but it's only $100 a year, plus some mileage, so it's not a paid position. So for a lot of us that are just starting our careers in a number of different fields, it's really hard to, to work that time in. Mm -hmm. um, during the heat of the season, kind of January through March, January through June, I was there three or four times a week and to hold down a full-time job at the same time while you're not being paid for this work um, is really difficult. And there's a reason that we do it and people genuinely care about the state and want people to succeed and do well. Um, obviously, there's not a lot of clout or <laughs> title that comes with being a state rep if it's unpaid and you can't, can't ask for a whole much or expect that people are going to feel entitled with that position. So you know that all 400 of us that are in there genuinely care, even if you disagree with each other. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Um, I did an article on the suicide prevention bill that went through last year, or it just went through um, what do you think is the biggest issue facing New Hampshire like today? Yeah, that was a big bill. That was really important. Um, and that was great for the governor to sign it too with a couple of young people as co-sponsors. So that was yeah. awesome. I think the hot button issue, regardless of who you talk to, is going to be public education funding. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the hot button topic at the moment for good reason. And not everyone agrees on that on both sides of the aisle. But from my perspective, that's one of the biggest things that we can improve of just like how we're funding education, one, and then two of how can we just get more money and better resources, making it good. Um, 
another big issue, obviously, is the opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we know that, that now children are being born with um, the effects of that being felt, and grandparents are doing a lot of the parenting. And we do need to continue supporting the parents that, that are trying to find recovery um, or raising the kids on their own. So that's definitely a huge issue as well. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so, um, you talked a little bit about this, but like, what are some of the other bigger issues that you think are really important to New Hampshire? Um, housing is definitely important, and I think in a broader conversation of the workforce, mm -hmm. we have, we don't have a ton of jobs here, but we have a lot of jobs and some really good employers, and we're really seeing our tech sector take off, but we don't have a ton of young people to fill them, um, and we don't have people generally to fill them, or we do have the people and they're just not trained the right way. So a lot of that workforce issue comes down to affordable housing mm -hmm. um, and, and other policies, and some of that's even even some of the softer policies, like the cultural and social things, there's not a ton for, for the young professionals to come back and do, right? Like, mm -hmm. we have Manchester, we have some in Concord. Um, I know Littleton up in the North Country is starting to get there. Same with Nashua has a bunch of stuff, but there's not a whole lot of drivers to mm -hmm. get people back. Um, people do tend to move back when they start having children, but we'd love them to come back earlier and work and mm -hmm. have places to live. So how do you think you can move it towards young people coming back to New Hampshire after college and things like that? Absolutely. I think it's highlighting a lot of the industry that is already here, but there's a couple different pieces. We have the highest or the second highest student loan rate among graduates, so mm -hmm. it's keeping people here before they leave and trying to get them to go to the in-state schools. Um, but another piece of that is Again, like that affordable housing, the schools, it's all kind of interconnected. Um, so I'm on a big affordable housing bill um, mm -hmm. with the governor's office. So that's a bipartisan bill that everybody recognizes it's an issue. So that we're working to fix that. Um, so highlighting those industries and just making the, it's making the environment welcoming for people to come back. How do you feel about the New Hampshire minimum wage? I mean, I wish we had one. We don't have one, so. We don't? No, we just default to the federal one, which is that 725. Yeah. So we tried, and there's even disagreements about whether it should be 12 or 15, but yes, we need one to bring people back. And I thought our wage was 725. We just have to take it the because that's. One. Yeah, so there's yeah. no actual law regarding. Right. Okay. Um, how do you think you could convince people to raise the minimum wage or at, like at least to like right. 10 or like even living wage would be best case scenario? But If I had a good answer for that, I think we <laughs> would have a minimum wage. Um, what is the argument against that? I think the argument is it's bad for business and that it will cost us jobs if you have to pay people more or less people can be employed, um, which compelling or not yeah, depends Yeah, I was going to say there's ask. so much... Um, statistical evidence that right. that's not the case. And I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that is the case. And if yeah. I had a good answer yeah. for how to resolve it, we others would also have an answer and we might mm -hmm. have a minimum wage. But there's a ton of really awesome people um, working to make that happen. And so hopefully we get there sooner rather than later. Um, but you do have to recognize that people, statistics or not, do have valid opinions on the other side of it. And so trying to figure out a way to work with them and make it a compelling case and figuring out exactly your question of mm -hmm. how do we sell them on this and yeah. is it really just a knee-jerk reaction to telling people what they have to do? Yeah, I think, I think like, less government regulations is, like, the, the argument. But 
the minimum wage when it was created, like, I feel like the argument against it would be, like, that was meant to go up with inflation, and it hasn't been doing that. So, like, that's what frustrates me, especially as a young person who is at faced with getting, I mean, I'm not paying rent or I don't have kids to support, but for me still, like, it feels like a not enough money, you know? And I don't know. I just feel like for people who... Um, have like kids to support and um, a mortgage or not even a mortgage rent to pay like that's Into that's a crushing society. number yeah. yeah I think the pushback from the other side of the aisle from the Republicans would be that you can drive down the street and you can see the sign hiring for McDonald's and it says hourly starting wage is ten dollars an hour and so their argument would be that the market's already responding and that if you let the free market work then mm. it'll drive up which we know is not always true, and that's, yeah. that's, in my opinion, why we have government to help correct some of those market failures. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, it's a real argument that if you drive down the road and you see the signs, that's their statistical evidence that they're mm-hmm. going to point to. Mm-hmm. What were, like, the biggest issues that you ran with? Like, your, your like, mo- the most important issues to you? It sounds silly, but one of the biggest ones is showing up because mm-hmm. um, the attendance rate at the state house is really poor. Um, which is pretty shocking, but it's a big deal to show up. People elected you to be there, and while it's definitely a big commitment and it's hard to do, it's really important to to be the voice for your community. So as simple as that sounds, it's really important. Um, ran on the public education, for especially for Manchester, it's a big issue, and we have a lot of other local things that impact that, mm-hmm. um, but that is the number one thing that we all need because ultimately most people are going through that public school system. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in Manchester, the opioid crisis is a big one. So generally, health care and some of the insurance that goes along with that in that conversation, but a lot of it is centered around, around that crisis and some of the other things that come from not having the best social services mm-hmm. available in New Hampshire. Yeah, and I think like the gap between public school funding and like, look at, like, look at are we have a really nice school here and like we can get a great public education in our town and then you go over to Manchester and you can just see the difference in the schools and like like not even like going into a classroom but like the, the building itself and stuff and um, so I just like I guess I'm confused about like funding and like why it's different I don't know in terms of what from town to town yeah uh, so the first thing on population right? a little bit okay so the biggest thing I'll say too is that there they are good schools in Manchester and yeah. you have good teachers and you have some awesome kids, and I think that Central maybe has one of the higher um, Ivy League grade acceptances out of out of the New Hampshire school. So there are a mm-hmm. lot of Manchester schools that are doing really, really well. Yeah. Um, but it is it's that resource piece mm-hmm. that is really falling short. And the big reason for that is the state doesn't really have any stake in the funding piece. Where there's definitely some, but most of education funding comes from the towns. And so you see the wealthier towns that are raising a lot of money through their property yeah. taxes, mm-hmm. um, having better education systems. Mm-hmm. So in Manchester, where the property tax rate has to be a little bit lower and it's spread across the city, um, across a bunch of different schools, you can look at Amherst or Mount Vernon, for example, and, and you're able to raise a lot more property tax um, just off of your base and, and for a number of students. So they're able to pay teachers more, keep people here longer, even if those people are living elsewhere. What are some of the other things that you hope to accomplish while in office? I 
think this working across the aisle piece mm -hmm. is really important and kind of bringing us back to a point where we can have conversations with everyone because yeah, we're not there right now. Yeah. Uh, the, the hopeful piece of that is that the young people up there are much better about it mm -hmm. and that it's not that the older reps or those that have been around longer aren't good at it, but the younger people that are coming in for the first or second time um, are, are really consciously getting together, whether it's at the restaurant right across from the state house after we're done for the day um, or, or sponsoring each other's bills or finding time to connect outside of that formal, formal time in Concord. Mm -hmm. Having those conversations and recognizing the lanes that we can agree on and and then arguing over some of the finer details is great because that's the start of the conversation. If those conversations aren't even starting, that's when that's when we have the issue. Yeah. I yeah. feel like um, people on different sides of the parties aren't even like listening to each other. Right There's now. no compromise anymore. It's like so black and white both sides, I feel like and nobody wants to compromise, like you said. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of looking for political wins rather than looking to get things done. Yeah. Which both are necessary, but there's a lot that can be done without even looking for that political win mm -hmm. afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I never even hear about like the state government. You hear so much on the news about like national government. So like, what's going on right now in the New in New Hampshire's government? Because like I feel like most people don't really hear about it as much, it's and it's harder to hear about it. Definitely not obvious. Yeah. And I think a big reason for that is the same as we have limited capacity is state reps there's also limited capacity from the reporters and the media yeah and then so some of the choices they might make of what to cover that's where we might disagree with them at some level but they also there's not that many of them trying to do a ton of work to cover mm -hmm. a ton of different things mm -hmm. and that's why we don't see it a lot is because you really really have to be proactive and actually read the newspaper and yeah it's a lot of work to follow what's going on in the state mm -hmm. a lot of the times you have to be really tuned in and it's hard to do that if you don't have a direct, direct link up there a lot of times. Um, in terms of what the state of New Hampshire government is, mm -hmm. uh, we do have a Republican governor. While we, have a, yeah. while we have all three of the, both bodies of the legislature and the executive council all controlled by Democrats. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely tense. And you could, you could see while we were going and voting through things, it felt like we were winning a lot on the Democratic side. Mm -hmm. But then, obviously, you've seen the governor vetoes 55 bills and set, bragging yeah, about setting the record. And he thinks he's right, and we think he's wrong. And that was a that caused a lot of work to be got to be done over the fall when it's not usually. And so it took us a really long time to get to a budget agreement. It took us a couple extra months and a continuing resolution, which is. Something that you usually only hear about in D.C. That's not a New Hampshire politics way of doing things. And even with that, the state of New Hampshire politics is, again, it's everyone working for the best interest of the state, but their idea of what's best is, is not always on the same page. Um, so you have a lot of people working really hard, but sometimes it's against one another mm -hmm. rather than with each other, which is frustrating for yeah. sure. Um, but you'll see now that on the Democratic side, these presidential primaries are really taking over. Mm -hmm. And so those campaigns are fighting for endorsements from the elected officials. On the Republican side, they're staying out of it. Um, and Pence was just here to oh, yeah. sign for Trump. So there's a big kind of rallying cry around that for them. They've already launched their Flip the House in New Hampshire campaign. 
So they're already actively working to take back the legislature. So on the political side of things, it's definitely a national feel around the state level politics, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Again, because there's so many things we can focus on New Hampshire without letting that creep in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think like that must be frustrating, like doing like months of hard work on like a bill or something, and then just because it's a it's a democratic um, like proposed bill, the governor just vetoes. Like that's I feel like I would be very frustrated in in that position. It is very frustrating. He also he vetoed a couple of his own party's bills and yeah, yeah. is a little nonsensical at times, but. <laughs> The way I've talked about him, he does do a lot of good work, and I think he is well-intentioned. He's a little bit of a bull in a china shop at times. Um, but for, for a big chunk of it, he has the right intentions. He mm -hmm. called together this housing task force um, that myself and a couple other of the younger reps were invited in for, which is a great step. I know he has a couple other really important task forces that, that are important to making sure that these policies are set up the mm -hmm. right way the next time around. So credit has to be given to him in that aspect, even if don't necessarily agree with the public persona that he puts on. Yeah. yeah. I know, like, I was supposed to, or we were supposed to interview um, the, because we did the Hillsborough rep for the New Hampshire Democrats, so we were supposed to do last week the Hillsborough rep for um, New Hampshire Republicans, and he canceled because of Mike Pence's whole thing. So, like, I, like, I saw that that was kind of, like, a big deal, I guess. So... So did he just come and sign in Trump's name like, for like the primary election? Yeah, you just have to file with the Secretary of State. So most of the Democratic presidential candidates will come, and it's a good show for them. They'll get the stage kind of mm -hmm. set up outside the State House, and it's kind of a big deal because you can get some good free press from that. For Trump, it arguably makes more sense to send Pence out. Yeah. Also, one, time-wise, and two, just people might not throw anti-rallies <laughs> against Pence as much as they, for now. Well. Yeah, which leads us into our next question. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the current president? I'm obviously not a fan if people can't tell this far yeah. into the conversation. <laughs> um, I do try and stay out of the national stuff as much as possible, mm -hmm. especially publicly. Um, it is not a surprise, and I have no issue saying that I disagree with just about every single thing that... He's yeah, done. Fair. <laughs> Don't want to discount how people feel, though, which I think yeah. is incredibly important. And there's a reason that people are voting for him. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to one of your first questions of if I had the answer for why people are voting for him. Yeah. And people listen to me, mm -hmm. then maybe we would have a better solution to be working together. But I don't think Democrats have really nailed the answer of why is he gaining so much traction and why is he why is he going so well? Why is he doing so well? So I think that discounting how people feel and writing Trump off completely is, is a really poor thing to do because yeah. it, it discredits a lot of what people are thinking, feeling, and, mm -hmm. and then living. So just respecting people's ideas and then trying to appeal and just listen to them. And mm -hmm. the biggest thing is just listening to people and trying to, trying to figure out what ultimately is driving them. Yeah, I've kind of accredited his, like, um, I guess, like the, the support he gains as a, a direct response to Obama's administration. And, like, you could tell that, like, the Republicans were feeling frustrated. For whatever reason, they felt very strongly about things that Obama was doing, um, even though, to me, he seemed pretty moderate 
in, in a lot of senses. But, um, yeah, no, it's definitely been something that I've struggled to understand as yeah. well. But, I like, yeah. I think that um, our next president should be more, like, middle-grounded. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, especially right now, we need to be able to, like, bring people together to have those conversations like you were talking about. And I feel like we can't do that if we elect, like, a super far leftist person. Yeah. Because they'll just restart the cycle again. Yeah. That's, that's my thought on it, too. Also, like, um, electability is probably the biggest factor in this election for me. So, like, somebody who's really far to the left isn't going to appeal to the middle voters. And that's, I feel like, why, why Democrats lost in 2016. So, like, yeah, I feel like um, finding that middle person... <laughs> Which I mean, I guess okay. So that like, do you, I don't know if you can if you can't endorse somebody or if you have if you're not endorsing somebody like that's fine. But like, if you are, like, who is it? <laughs> I'm not going to break news of an endorsement on this podcast. Unfortunately, <laughs> all right, cool. Um, but it's, it's been all good. it's been great meeting with a bunch of them and some mm-hmm. of their staff, and I'm definitely close on a couple. I've held out for most of the time because of that chairman position in the Young Dems Caucus. Yeah. And so that's helped kind of facilitate conversations for others and help bring those candidates in to have conversations with our group. Mm-hmm. So that's been great. Now that that stage is kind of over and we're moving towards the caucuses in Iowa um, and then the New Hampshire primary, it's definitely whether to make that decision or not is starting to come up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely a final couple for me, and we'll see, we'll see where things Fall. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so how would you say the biggest way that um, the local, well, I know it affects like so much stuff in New Hampshire, but like what would you say are the biggest ways that like the local politics affects like New Hampshire citizens? The local politics in terms of kind of town by town? Uh, yeah, I guess like the state too. A lot of the stuff is, is kind of decided up there and it definitely comes back to the communities at some point or another. Again, it's kind of one of the things I ran on that a lot of it isn't being informed by the community, and it's a lot of top-down policies from mm-hmm. people sitting at the state house. Um, so that's definitely something that the new reps, not just young, but the newer people in there have understood and are trying to bring things that their community members are telling them about and mm-hmm. make sure that they make their way back. Because um, a lot of times we'll pass something and we'll go, I don't know how people are going to find out about that. I don't know whose job that is. So. That's a huge part of it is making sure that people are aware of what's going on. It's exactly what you both have said is it's really difficult to follow um, what's going on in, in the state of New Hampshire politics, but it's really important. Um, generally, how it affects things, um, it's day-to-day. So you have major issues like health care that we vote on up at the state house, and that could be Medicaid expansion or just kind of protecting um, the ACA at a state level. So should anything change at the national level? Um, in, a, in a bad way here in the next couple of years that we do have a bunch of protections and things taken to a little bit of a further measure to ensure some stability in New Hampshire, which is great. Um, so that's something that affects everybody on a day-to-day. A lot of the voting rights has come up a lot, so we want to make sure that those college students can vote mm-hmm. while they're living here. That's a really big deal. Um, some of the other things, obviously we talked about the housing where it's not as much of a deal in Amherst, but you might feel some of those affordable housing pushes with different types of developments or things popping up in Amherst than might have in years past. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these things that might seem like big, heady topics a lot of times, like affordable housing could be seen and felt in Amherst or 
if Merrimack does a better job and then Amherst stop, starts losing people to Merrimack or something similar, then that would still be felt in Amherst regardless. So some of these bigger topics are definitely felt on a day-to-day, even if it's not always obvious. Yeah, okay, so there's one thing I wanted to ask about. So there's this campaign at our school called Safe Schools New Hampshire, and it's basically like trying to get the loophole law changed where um, if you're not student or faculty, you can carry a concealed weapon into a school legally. Is there anything going on right now at the state level that would like kind of make that push to like close that loophole? Because that's something that like, so we have elections that are held here sometimes during the school day. So we'll be at school while people are going in and voting. And like that, like I probably, I'm probably like overreacting, but like <laughs> it scared me a little bit to have random people in the school that day and when they like legally could um carry a concealed weapon and like they couldn't do anything about it so those bills were introduced there were bills introduced by democrats this year to close that loophole okay and they passed very easily in the legislature that being said any firearm related bill was vetoed immediately by the governor. Yeah. So those still exist. Um, What those bills would do is put that control, hopefully if they come back, those bills would put the control with the school boards. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily the state saying that you can or can't do that. Then it would be the Amherst school board that the students could then go to and make a call for it. and that kind of empowers that local control piece, which is so important to New Hampshire. Right mm-hmm. now, it is a state-down policy that's just saying, like, all right, if you want to bring a gun to a school, we can't stop you. We can't stop you. Um, and that's where you're going to see that good guy with a gun argument come up a lot, which is yeah. terrifying in a lot of ways. And yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure who's the, who the school resource officer here is anymore, but... Oh, yeah. Um, Heather Blaze. Yes, Smitty got promoted last year. Okay. So. It would be interesting for you all to have a conversation with her about that. Yeah. Um, and, and her feelings, because that's something that directly affects her work and mm-hmm. whether, mm. whether they agree with that yeah, take yeah. or not. Um, how do you think we can improve the mental health system here in New Hampshire? So we have the 10-year mental health plan from the state with a bunch of different items throughout. So a lot of that is funding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think changing the conversation, though, from always talking about whether it's the secure psychiatric unit. So instead of putting people with mental illnesses into prison, having a facility where they can get the help they need mm-hmm. um, and get the care while being in a supervised setting. I think all of that is tremendous, and those are great first steps. I think if we always talk about it at an extreme level, you're missing a huge of the conversation because so much goes on in a day-to-day that suicide prevention bill is a big deal Um, making sure that it's tough to have a policy around stigma but trying to help take the stigma out as much as we can Um, funding dcyf is really important so funding the division of children youth and family Um, so someone at the school probably the school counselors are responsible for communicating with them when anything comes up Mm because everyone in new hampshire is a mandatory reporter Mm -hmm. so if you hear anything you have to report it. And DC, DCYF is tremendous, but they don't have a ton of funding or support. So credit to 
the Democrats for putting in a bunch of those new positions in the budget and credit to the governor for passing them. So we'll have 50-something new people doing that job. And that's really important to address those kind of that those ACEs, those yeah. adverse childhood experiences. Um, so if we can prevent it early on and help children have the resources and, and that support from a really early age, it's really important because the more they grow and fester, you'll keep seeing it get worse and worse over time. So trying to have that point of entry to treatment or support or counseling or whatever it is at an earlier age is, is so important. Um, is there any sort of bill like um, going on right now or has been going on regarding climate change and like, um, I guess like in reducing the amount, because I know like a lot of states are like banning styrofoam and stuff like that. Is there any of that push in the legislative in New Hampshire? There's a ton of push for that stuff. And one of the best guys, I don't know if either of you had Chris Balch while he was here. Nope. So Chris Balch was a science teacher here. He was my science teacher when I was a sophomore. And now he's a state rep, and he sits right behind me in the state house. That's um, so he's phenomenal, and he has a bunch of those bills. So I'm on one this year with him to ban styrofoam oh, in New awesome. Hampshire. Okay. Um, the plastic straws and bags failed this year, and were vetoed by the governor. Like the thing they have in Massachusetts, with like the, where like you, it costs five cents for a bag. Right. Okay. Um, which isn't well received here because apparently it's a new tax. So, according to Republicans, okay. so they don't care for that very much. Mm -hmm. um, the straws was an ask first, so yeah, yeah. they would still have them offered, but all you have to do is ask for it, mm -hmm. um, and that didn't pass either. Did it? Nope, that was vetoed. Oh, uh, so wait, I did it pass? So it passed the House. Okay, and then okay. it was and vetoed the by the governor. Yeah. I work at, well, I used to work at another restaurant, and both of us can't have straws unless asked for. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of restaurants are putting in the policy. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I think the legislature is also important. And it's not, yeah, so I, because I know I've seen that push in a lot of states. Right. And that's going to be the, that same argument as the minimum wage, where the Republicans are going to say that the market will fix it. And if businesses are already starting to do it, that, yeah, yeah. that they'll come mm -hmm. down. And you'll see Dunkin' Donuts, I think their contract with, whatever styrofoam cup distributor yeah, is up. So and, like most states have already switched to the right, paper cups. Right. Yeah. So we're getting there slowly. Um, and those are kind of the, obviously they're very big and important bills, but those are smaller. So you see like the Reggie program. So some of the like carbon trading mm -hmm. in New England, a lot of those bigger policies are there as well. A lot of that gets vetoed by the governor. Um, one of the biggest bills that, that failed by just a couple votes was... Um, is it called the net metering mm -hmm. so being able to sell the solar energy that you make mm -hmm. back to the utility company um, we tried to raise that level so people could make more money off of it and their their rates would be cheaper mm -hmm. and that was vetoed as well um, and we mm -hmm. couldn't override that one by just a couple votes so a lot of things are being done i think that there's been a ton of action on it obviously the climate action rallies have been tremendous mm -hmm. i know there's another one coming up in manchester we did, we did the walkout at the school yeah. here so it's tremendous and there's another one coming up in manchester i know in a couple weeks i think first or second week of december um, so there's some there's some awesome young people doing that work mm -hmm. and we got to keep pushing on the right people because it needs to happen do you think New Hampshire, like I know we're very against taxes and everything but do you think New Hampshire would be open to maybe like a carbon tax 
That bill was submitted for this year and then okay. withdrawn. Okay. So we'll see. It, I think some of it is just a technical issue. Mm -hmm. um, it would be tricky to find a way to get that passed, but yeah. it's there. And then not vetoed. Yes. And that's <laughs> outside of my realm a little bit. So yeah. I, don't know, I don't know a ton about that stuff, mm -hmm. but it is, it is definitely an idea worth pursuing. Mm. I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. So I know yesterday was kind of a big day. Um, in regards to um, uh, deferred action, like DACA. And um, I know some states are, like, attempting to pass laws, like, to protect childhood arrivals. Is New Hampshire doing any of that? Definitely not from the state level, because that would be something that would be an executive action from the Okay, government. yeah, there's nothing that so states could really... I don't believe so. Pursue. I think that potentially there could be a continuing resolution on that from the legislature. As far as I've heard, that's not something that's come up. Yeah. Um, because we are such a purple state, mm -hmm. I think that there's, like Manchester doesn't do it. I'm not even sure that Nashville, who's definitely more liberal than Manchester, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that they've taken on anything like that. No, like sanctuary city type things? No. Yeah, okay. Um, there are sanctuary churches and some sanctuary pieces inside of that. So um, the UU churches, the... Universalist Unitarian churches, I believe, across the state are sanctuaries. And there's a lot of people that do some great work, and we've had a lot of leadership from the faith community about bringing people in and whether they can house one or two people or 10 people at a time, they're making sure that they're protected and safe and that they're getting the care and services that they need. Mm -hmm. But that's a, that's a pretty small scale. Yeah. Um, so making a broader statement hasn't happened yet from the state. Do you have any last points before we wrap it up? Um, I was just going to ask, like, how, um, what would you suggest young people do to get more involved in politics? Like, that was my last question. <laughs> I think one of the best ways right now when you have all these presidential candidates coming is to ask them about New Hampshire-specific issues and try and push them on things. So you'll see people already really pushing on the climate stuff, and mm -hmm. that's a huge deal. You'll see people pushing on the voting rights, uh, making sure those college students can act. So there's a ton of colleges, that kind of college Democrats um, group pushing a, a lot of that um, to the presidential candidates, but it's also making things that you care about really known on, on the national stage, because you never know what's going to get picked up as the soundbite. The one where um, Cory Booker was listening to the girl in the North Country talk about the opioid crisis went viral on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a, there's definitely the same opportunity to make some of those things happen across housing, public education, schools. Um, a lot of that was seen in Manchester during, we just had our municipal elections a couple weeks ago and they're really being pushed on education and some of those other issues. So bringing those national people into state and local conversations, they're eager to earn your support and it's a good way to, good way to make sure that that stuff keeps traction. Are we good? All right, yep. we're good. All right, well, thank you so much for coming in. We really enjoyed having you. Um, this is